setting up your meeting for Facebook Live. It says the meeting is now streaming live. I don't believe it until I see it. <laughs> I don't trust you. I'm not sure which one of you. Yes, we are now live. It's been going for about 10 seconds. Good, good. Nice. It's like, I don't know who not to trust. Do I not trust Zoom? Do I not trust Facebook? That's... Right. Well, you should never trust either of them, I suspect. But, uh, anyhow. So, okay. Welcome to Draft Politics, everybody, since you're yeah. here now. We are here. I'm here. Episode 48. We're almost halfway to 100. Yes. And we probably lost count that. along the way, so I don't know if that number sure. is correct anymore. Yeah, we're just making that number up. I, it could be anything. It <laughs> could be anything. How's Sorry. your... How's your we, we, we use the going? Florida COVID numbers uh, approach. Yeah, exactly. Tracking these things. So there you oh, go. Yeah, we're we're using that DeS the DeSantis algorithm. DeSantis, yes, the DeSantis method. So we could be on episode four thousand and eighty. Right. By his counting, by his reckoning. <sighs> how you doing, sir? How you How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm all right. You know, we're coming into phase four, and I know we're going to talk about that. But you know, been spending a little time outside. It's coming up on a short week at work. I, I actually am going to know what the days are. That's that's good. This I coming like that. week, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. hey. So that's a good thing. I like to have that reset of knowing the days. Um, uh, yeah, I we're we're okay. We are yeah. okay here. How are all things? Right. How are things on that side of the? Things state? are are also okay over here. Um, nothing nothing too exciting to report. Uh, been going out in the world. Uh, Riding my bike a little bit, checking out the Lake Shore path now, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and uh, otherwise, I'm just sitting here and enjoying my beer. I've got the off-color, I went fancy this time. I've got the off-color miscellanea, which we, which is a folder. I, I, I don't know, my French is rusty. It, it is fermented with, it's a fermented wild ale. Uh, okay. in Sangiovese, grape must, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of feels sort of <laughs> like a the wine of beers. Uh, it's got a little sourness to it, but uh, very well balanced. Uh, and I'm not like the champagne so of beers. Yes, yes, that, that's, that's different. different. No, I'm not nearly classy enough. For that. Somehow the wine of beers is more expensive than the champagne of beers. That's true. Huh. Weird. Sorry, what was the name of that one more time? It I, is. Now I, I've got to look it up. Miscellanea. And this is the. Miscellanea. Yes, right. this is the second edition of it. Oh. And they, they barrel age it and yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we needed right. to restock. It turned out I ordered a bunch of beer from Off Color that uh, it turned out Melissa could not drink. And so uh, I had to get a new order. And I'm like, well, let's throw some experimental stuff on it. So it is. Well, good. I mean, that's great. That's that's well played, sir. I think that that's really, that's really well done. Um, <laughs> so, anyhow. so, yeah. What are you drinking? What are you uh, drinking? Well, today I, I'm going to continue as you recall last time. Uh, we had something from our swing state series going outside of Chicago. I'm drinking a beer from Saugatuck Brewing in Michigan. Uh, it is, and this is a bit different for me. It's a lemonade, a blueberry lemonade shandy. Oh, that sounds more like my kind of thing. 
yeah, you know, we were. Uh, I went on a bike ride with my with uh, with my son right before this. This looked refreshing. Oh yeah. And again, swing state. You know, representing a place where uh, could use some folks. So there you go. Uh, it's it's really good. It's it's a shandy. It's nice. It's a little tart. Yeah. It's a little good. There you go. Uh, and and I got to tell you right now, I'm looking for sour recommendations. So and okay. we'll talk about this in the beer section. I'm I'm trying to to tone the hops down here uh, oh. for the summer. So okay, yeah. Some sour recommendations. I've, I've got a pilsner uh, in the queue today. Okay. So yeah. Good, good. So yeah, so if you're listening live, uh, you know, be sure to send us your recommendations. But uh, yeah, yeah, or even go. listening later, I'll take anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, what's going on? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, it's. I will say, uh, yeah. let me just let me just start by saying, like, we used to do this podcast every week. We've now been doing about every other week, and like, so the the acceleration we felt doing it every week is now just even more so now it's like wait that happened in the last two weeks but yes yeah i I mean time is time is really elastic right now yes and again we're it's june it's the end of june but it's only been four months since iowa yeah you know four months (laughs) since iowa which is like in an entirely different timeline like yeah oh they they didn't have covid back then Ah. no exactly if you've ever read if you've ever read uh, the Gunslinger, all the Dark Tower books, that's what this feels like a lot. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> or uh, I think I heard a clip from uh, a podcast. It's been a minute podcast, and they said it feels like living in three movies at once: a Spike Lee movie, a Michael Bay movie, and a Michael a Mike Judge movie, all at the same time. Like that is yeah, yeah, I can that see is that. Really. That is really accurate. Um, also, it's a great podcast. I think Sam Sanders hosts that one. But, um, I, you know, it's hard to even decide what to talk about because I don't have a good judge of what's important and what's not important. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, um, we, we, you know, we would have talked about the Supreme Court a little more, I think, typically, like ooh, hey, there were in the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of Supreme Court decisions that are impactful. You know, one saying that, you know, the the government can essentially send people out of the the country on expedited uh, expedited removal without them having a uh, a hearing. Like that's a that's a big deal. That yeah. would. Yeah, that would have been a big deal a year ago, certainly, because immigration was a big thing. But eh, we're not talking about that now. Yeah. Michael Flynn, the the court case around Michael Flynn, and you know one, you know one panel of judges saying no, you've got to dismiss the case, even though the the judge who was presiding said like, oh, I don't think we should. This doesn't make any sense. Like, that's kind of a big deal. You know, both of those things around power of the executive. Um, and maybe we can wrap up all of our, I think we're going to get some more Supreme Court decisions in this next week, but, um, you know, like, eh, but are they really important right now? It, it doesn't seem like they are. Um, and that's been really, yeah, it, they'll be important in the grand with. scope of time, but like at the moment, yeah. everything's like all the virus all the time. <laughs> it is. And how does the virus interplay with everything else? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I wanted to start off with, because it entertained me, is that I saw a tweet from Trump 
And it said other things, but the highlight I wanted to catch was nobody wants a low IQ person in charge of our country. Oh. Yes. I would say about 36% of the country. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my, <laughs> your mouth to God's ears, Trump. Yeah, 36 to 42% <laughs> of the country. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah what, what is there to say about a Trump tweet like that? Yeah. Um, just no self-awareness. Clearly. Oh, no, no, no. Clearly. What I'm surprised at is he didn't spell it incorrectly because that seems like the kind of thing where he would have started writing it, you know, and said a low IQ person in like church, like dropped the A or something like that. Right. Spelled country with a U without the O, you know, yeah. like yeah. I don't understand the spell, problem. Here. Spell check saved him again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, I think he's got an android doesn't he i don't know but no somebody he, should just, he, no he's iphone i think i don't yeah think somebody yeah. should remotely turn off his spell check that'd be fun that would be amazing <laughs> if we could just um, break it for everybody i i know it's not fair to everybody else but it's worth worth it for the for the entertainment yeah so uh as we know trump has made a big thing about masks or or not wearing a mask and right. making sure there aren't masks at his events and all that uh apparently dick fucking cheney decided to come out officially in favor of masks pro mask uh, pro mask like was retweeted by his daughter who is evil but uh because you know i don't know he, she inherited it from him i guess but they're both evil but they're both in favor of masks so yeah come on <laughs> i mean i i've thought about that a number of times you know remember in 2001 where they were telling us to go out and buy stocks and stocks of duct tape oh yeah we have to remember to plastic the windows in case there's a a biochemical attack and people bought into that instantly they're like oh my god yes yeah. i mean we haven't had one there's nothing out there there's nothing to fear but i'm gonna go buy all that stuff maybe i'll just tape up my windows ahead of time now people are dying they're like Please. Well, to be fair, back then we didn't have Fox News saying duct tape is the work of the devil. Don't use it. So that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> Brought to you by duct tape. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's another one of those things. And even Pence kind of came out and said, "Yeah, I guess we should be probably wearing masks." I mean, they had the first, um, the first coronavirus task force update in two months or something like that. Maybe it wasn't that long. Yeah, it's and there been were hearings. While. Yeah, there were hearings this week where they were asking Fauci, like, when was the last time you actually met with the president? And it was like, I want to say it was like two months. It's like I don't remember what the exact time was. While, but he's like, yeah. it's been a while. One of the guys yeah. tried to dodge the question entirely, and Fauci's like, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Well, and they didn't even do it. What I thought was really interesting about the 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 task force briefing that they had this week is that they didn't do it at the White House. They did it at HHS. Yeah. Obviously, Trump wasn't there, right? That's, so it's back. Remember when they first started, it was like, I'm going to put Pence out there, you know? And like, and actually people were starting to like Pence because, you know, the briefings were pretty factual and on point. And Trump's like, no, 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 no. This has got to yeah. be about me. And so no, he's jumps he's, in. Trump would be in serious trouble if anybody started really liking Pence because then everybody in the Senate would be like, you know... You can totally get rid of this pain in our ass. <laughs> yeah. Just hey, if you guys could could you could we get a redo on the uh, on the vote for that impeachment? Um but you know, I think this is 
you know, this is going to be the story of the next, you know, five months is the national interest versus Donald Trump's interest. And maybe that's been, oh, you know, maybe that, yeah, that has been the, the story of the last four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that also was sort of very clear in him restarting rallies, right? So, you know, they've, he had to do a couple rallies these last couple of weeks because I think he, he needed that. Like a vampire yeah. needs to suck blood to stay alive. I think he right. needs people shouting positive things at him uh, or at least shouting in his presence uh, for him to survive. Expelling as much to the COVID next... into the air as they possibly can. Oh, as much. So, but there were two over the last couple of weeks, right? The first one was June 20th, amazingly at in Tulsa. Yes, it was supposed to be on Juneteenth originally, and they moved it a day because they realized that probably would look bad because it would because it did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and uh, they had said that there were a million tickets requested. And what I thought was really interesting about this actually is that uh, the campaign manager, Pascal, whatever, he he said like it was a great data haul so you know clearly he wasn't saying like oh this is how many people we expected to show up we were like we just got a lot of information about people um but they which, ended up with which is great if there's a lot of k-pop uh fans who end up voting for trump <laughs> hey look i i question their taste anyway oh, oh k-pop hot actually of the day. after all of that all after all of that i'm like you know what let me go listen to some K-pop. Let me let me nice. let me do that. Throw it sounded like a Spotify channel. I'm like, all right, let me let me try this. And it got and there was like one song. I'm like, that's eh, pretty good. I mean, it felt kind of like you know, kind of a club song. You know, all right, cool. Next one, I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm done. Pass. Yeah. Pass. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. My kids listen to BTS occasionally. That's yeah. as far as it goes for me. But so they ended up with 6,200 people there. Um, and they, yeah, and the place can hold 19,200. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're talking about a third of the capacity. Yeah, and it was great, especially since all the empty seats are blue. I don't know, there was some symbolism there. Um, <laughs> and there help. was a, a, you know, the they had this big outdoor over, overflow stage built. And, like, they just canceled that because there was nobody out there. Yeah. And, and here was the thing that, you know, did not expect. I don't know, surprise me, but they said, well, the big problem was the protesters and people didn't want to come out because the protesters. The police in Tulsa were arresting anybody who was in line peacefully waiting there who had, you know, Black Lives Matter t-shirt on, Joe yeah. Biden t-shirt on, anything that could be the least bit controversial. They were just arresting them, just getting them right off to the streets. Um, which is a great thing to kind of show. I would love to see a campaign ad, and I can't believe we haven't seen one yet, um, that shows, you know, oh, the protesters stopped people from getting in there and just show the Oklahoma, the Tulsa police dragging away a 75-year-old woman in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Maybe the Lincoln Project will get on that soon. I know, well, their, their spin through the news cycle is pretty fast. That's fan. <laughs> and then I guess the the walk back you know donald trump got back to dc and i can't say <laughs> it looked like 
he had I been mean, like shoved into a clothes dryer. I mean, <laughs> like it just he tie undone, yeah, shuffling, had the hat in his hand, you know, the make make America greater. I don't, I don't transitioning to greatness. I don't know what the hats say now. Just trudging <laughs> into the White House, making like, more greatness, America. dot yeah. com hashtag. <laughs> so uh, of course, look, uh, he needed to do it for himself. That wasn't about anybody else. Oh, yeah. But, you know, out of that, you know, what has been the impact on those people around him? Right? How many staffers have been quarantined? I know at least eight have been, have tested positive since yeah. the event. Like yep. Secret Service, um, like Chief Economist now, the White House, COVID positive. Um, yeah, and and it's like a dozen like, or two dozen staffers like in quarantine for 10 days. As much as Trump you know, pushes back against mask wearing and all of that. It, it apparently, uh, if you want to get anywhere near Trump, you're going through, you know, you're having your nasal cavity swab, you're wearing a mask. I mean, it's like every single procedure to keep you from possibly giving it to him. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for everybody else, you know, fuck him. <laughs> well, and I think, for the record, I think that that's totally reasonable to not infect the president. I, I'm, I'm right for that. Right. But I, you know, for me, it's like, you just look at that and it's such a great microcosm of everything that goes on around him. It's all about him. Anybody, you know, any collateral damage is fine. He'll just ignore it, pretend it didn't happen. Um, and this was even worse when they, you know, had the kids rally at a mega church in Phoenix or whatever. No, but they have magic air later. there. So it's okay. So, the so they, let me, let me, you. you know what, let me, let me, I don't want to make it sound like they're like, we're just praying for clean air and that's all magically going to help us. Like, it wasn't that. Here's what they had was, uh, apparently there's a company that produces an HVAC system that does a cleaning the air. It's ionizer, right. et cetera, et cetera. And so this is installed at that church. And so they're it, like, it's installed at that church because it, two of the people from the church own that company. Correct. So there is like a, a, a public-private partnership. I don't know what that is. Uh, a church and state. I don't know what that is. Uh, but um, yeah, so they own that, um, and they were using this as kind of an opportunity to, you know, publicize this technology they have. Which, as far as I gather, is it's an HVAC system with an ionizer, which is not particularly noteworthy. Um, and as far as how it would protect you from COVID, if you are in the room and you're breathing the air of the people around you, it doesn't do shit. <laughs> right. Because and they even yes, said as that, it like... circulates, yeah, it goes through the system and maybe that kills the COVID and great. But, you know, it's all dependent on how the air circulates. And so, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and maybe it helps marginally, but it certainly isn't going to like magically protect you in the way that they seem to suggest. Exactly. And we haven't, I mean, there's no way that there weren't new cases coming out of that church. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw them, they were packed in. And it's kids. It's kids. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. All right. <sighs> uh, I will say this. Um, they have canceled the two events they had planned coming up. So Pence was supposed to do a, uh, an event in Florida and an event in Arizona. And he's canceled. And Pence being because... slightly smarter than Trump is like, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if they told Donald Trump about it. Or Pence was just like, yeah, sure, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll call you from I'll call you from Arizona. Yeah, it'll be great. Well, just and then he's just like just show him pictures from like two years ago. It'll be fine. Uh, uh. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, in other news, uh, Facebook finally decided to take some action against Trump, uh, in spite of their general position that they weren't going to do those things. Uh, because Trump campaign decided to start putting ads out there that involved a Nazi symbol. Yes. So it was one of their, we're warning you about Antifa ads. Yes. And each one of their, there were three variants of the ad and each one came with a symbol uh, on it associated. Yeah, it was like an upside down them. pink triangle or something like that. No, it wasn't that. So. It, it was a symbol, though, that was used in uh, in concentration camps on the clothes of people who were labeled as political enemies. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the clothes of people in camps and out in the streets, actually, when they were, you know, still free, sort of in the ghettos, they would have they would have symbols on their clothing to identify why they were an enemy of the state, you know, be it yeah. a Star of David or um a, a pink triangle uh or you know so so this was enemies of the state for political reasons just go ahead and throw that up there yeah um and it, it was almost shocking that facebook did something about it but like but is, it was almost shocking that they're being that blatantly connecting to nazism but yeah um but yet it's not surprising it's just they keep, you know, uh, Trump has a knack for saying the quiet things out loud that uh, he would probably be doing a lot better if he just kind of shut up and, you know, be a Nazi without saying, hey, we're Nazis. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to do that. Um, no, not. I mean, I, I, <laughs> he's not going to change course at this point. No, no, I think he's he is all in on that. And sort of as an aside, I would say, you know, what you just said there. Um, I've been listening to the Slow Burn podcast. I know I'm mm -hmm. doing a lot of uh, podcast shout outs here, but it's about David Duke and David Duke's rise oh. uh, to prominence, which is really interesting. And one of the things that I've, I've noted as I've listened to it is that it both, you know, I can't decide if it's being presented in a way to make us think about uh, what happened with Donald Trump and sort of how he came to power and like surely nobody is going to vote for that guy because um or if it really was the same because it sounds very similar and you hear some of the same things like his opponents on the republican side say like, ah, nobody's going to vote for him he said you know he's a racist everybody sees that nobody's going to vote for that and being totally caught out when they did oh. um so it's it, it's an interesting listen um i i always like the slow burn stuff but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing to to have a listen to, um, especially now uh, because again there are so many sort of parallels parallels going on. For sure. Uh, uh, the other the other interesting sort of tweet from very recently it may have been today or late last night, and and I want to tell this in two parts because it's funny, but not funny. So. <laughs> The, the sort of top line here is Donald Trump retweeted a video of 
you know, some people and some of his supporters. And at one point, a guy, you know, gets up and he puts his fist in the air and it just white power, white power, you know, yelling at uh, sort of somebody who is anti-Trump. Um, so, so there's that in and of itself, which is difficult, right? And like, I, again, can't believe, can believe um, that first of all, somebody would post a video in the sec first place. And then second of all, that the president would happily retweet that. Um, and, and even uh, the Republican Senator Scott, you know, was like, no, oh, that's terrible. You, there's no defense, no defense of that. Did you see that video or did you see the tweet? Uh, I did not see the video. I, I heard about it, but I, I was just like, I don't really need to see this. <laughs> it's actually worth watching because here's the second part of that. So if I said to you, you know, just, a, you know, coming out to nowhere, and we're like, yeah. uh, describe for me a video. Just, you know, take a guess at what it might look like if you've got two groups of people uh, some pro-Trump, some anti-Trump, and one of them at some point gets up and starts saying white power with his fist in the air. Mm -hmm. you now, if you were to describe that, you would, you know, just trying to take a guess, you would be 100% wrong from what it actually was. Okay. It was in the villages in Florida. Oh, yeah. The villages are this huge, you know, sort of snowbird we, slash. We've talked about community. this versus Puerto Rico at some point yeah. in another podcast. Yes, yes. There was a parade of golf carts, pro Trump golf carts, with sort of counter protesters on the outside. And so this was like a guy got out of his, you know, trumped up golf cart and was yelling this. I mean, it really blew my I, I, okay. mind. Okay, I, I, you know what? I feel bad that I did not watch this video now because I'm like, golf carts. I mean, like you've got me at golf carts. <laughs> it was, you know, and again, I, I have to say, we have to find humor in things to make it, to be able to make it through. Yes, Gallo's humor is a very useful skill set right now. But, but I never would have guessed, you know, that out of that would come the white power yelling. I mean, I mean, was, I mean. I would, but I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh... it, it was very, you know, people had signs, you know, and again, you know, the median age of the people in the video is probably 83. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and people had signs, you know, they had Biden signs. They had, you know, Donald Trump is a racist and a bigot. Very clear. Very, you know, there was no sort of guessing about these things and, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting thing to watch. I had actually seen it before I heard that he had retweeted it. Oh, so I'd okay. seen it and I was like, whoa. And they're like, oh, he retweeted it. I was like, oh, of course seriously? he did. Of course he did. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's like it. the, the main thing that Trump brings to our discourse around racism is that he makes the most racist people feel like they're represented that they can feel comfortable saying those things out loud that they otherwise would have kept to themselves they were always racist even though they would say they are not racist like i'm sure if you ask the guy who was shouting about white power he would say oh i'm not i'm not racist i've got a have got a black friend sure <laughs> but but he but he feels perfectly fine saying it because trump is in charge right 
And I think we've, you know, you know, when people talk about things like dog whistles and, you know, it's it's never yeah. a dog whistle. It's usually a it's it's horn. a freaking air horn now. <laughs> yeah. And and I think we see this as the peaceful protests continue across the country and really strong questions are asked about things like Confederate monuments. Yeah. How does Donald Trump feel about those? And, you know, what is his strategy going to be? It is to start talking about heritage, which is a word that, you know, our heritage is important to protect, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you don't want your country and your heritage to be taken over by others. Like that's, you know, very, it's, it's not even strongly coded kind of language, you know, talking about, you know, signing an executive order to, you know, make it a 10 year crime to, you know, deface a, you know, a, a statue. I mean, like, I mean, these kinds of things that, and of course, that has no legal, legal basis at all. He's just, again, oh, yeah, he's but, more of his bluster. Yeah. But, you know, he's definitely, you know, aiming at that crowd, you know, that he knows, he knows that that that's a group of people he can get a hundred percent of the vote from probably so he's going to continue to send those messages through um and i i i hope and you know strongly support the continuation of all of the protests because first of all nothing really has changed uh second of all you know those protests will keep things in the national discourse about racism and about mm-hmm. yep. know, both systemic racism, racism and very acute racism that has been perpetrated by by our current administration. And people need to, to not only hear that, but keep reminding themselves. And, and I really mean, you know, middle class, upper middle class white people need to keep reminding themselves that that's not going away. And that, yeah. you know, in by voting for this administration, you're complicit in continuing those policies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been I've been going through uh, the book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And one of the things I appreciate about the, the framework he sets up is Basically, there's no such thing as I'm not racist. Your choices are I'm anti-racist or racist. And looking at oh, the actions I take. And, and, and so, you know, and I mean, so like somebody could be very slightly anti-racist and be very slightly racist. Like there's a spectrum, obviously. But like if you are supporting Trump, that is supporting a racist president and racist policies. And so... You can, and so to claim that I'm voting for Trump, but for other reasons, and I'm not a racist, like that. It's, and by the way, I'm not racist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, well, you know, and the thing of it is, I think there are people who. Yeah. I think there are people who think of themselves as not being racist. Um, who. I don't know really how to phrase this correctly, but basically what I'm saying is like that, like they are, you know, they're not a white power kind of person. They're not that degree of racist. They're the sort of that more you know, standard version of they're sort of comfortable with, with people who are racist, uh, et cetera, who vote for him because they think of other priorities, other issues. Like, oh, that's what I'm voting about. And they don't really right. pay attention to the, uh, the issues of race. And, yeah. and, and and as I phrased it before to people, it's like, it's not a deal breaker. Like, you're right. okay. Like, I can just like, oh yeah, and he's a racist. 
But, you know, hey, there's this other stuff I like about it. Like, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. You have to start off with that is not, that is a problem and we cannot keep having it be a problem. We cannot keep putting people in power who have that. So, anyhow. Uh, but at least Steve King lost his primary. Let's yes, we'll take yes, that little did. one. We'll yes, take that did. little one. Yes, he did. Can we talk that about would be something an lighter? Anti-racist like... vote. Uh, that's true. Yes, that's there true. you go. Or, no, I don't know. It's still a spectrum, though. Well, it, but yeah, it, you know, I don't that's really know anything about the person who was. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, if it's the guy who's aggressively racist versus the guy who is, you know, not so aggressively racist. Yeah, is that bad? Yeah. Um. So. I think we need to talk about coronavirus. I don't really want to talk about it. Um, yeah, well. But I think we. I do. mean, we could do like we did. We could do a reverse of what we did last week, and like this week we'll only talk about Trump, but not COVID. But I think we've already kind of talked about it, so I don't think we can get away with that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to kind of look at where we're at, and and also to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> I think we have to, you know, we have to acknowledge the reality that. Uh, we have more new cases, just raw number, yesterday than at the peak in April. Yeah. So, and everybody you know, was terrified in April and we were doing 100,000 tests a, a day or something like that. Not, not that many, but, uh, or more than that. But, you know, when we were just kind of figuring out what we were doing, the peak identified cases was below what we had yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and what we've seen, I think, is a, a certain set of states had an initial surge of COVID, but nationwide, people pretty much followed a similar process of shutting some things down and people isolating. And, and yeah. so we saw it in New York, in Illinois, in uh, Washington, you know, that those cases started coming back down because they were doing that. But you never really saw a rise in places like Florida and Texas. And and I suspect a lot of it has to do with the weather and what people are doing. Are they inside? Are they outside? Yeah. That kind of thing. But ultimately, now it's like New York is on the downside of their first wave. Illinois is on the downside of our first wave. Uh, Texas is a shit show. <laughs> uh, 5,700 plus new cases yeah. yesterday. Um, their biggest hospital there has uh, decided to stop publishing their ICU capacity because they're at it. Um, that's I think that's the biggest hospital in the country. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't. The yeah. They, yeah. Texas uh, yeah. Uh, Texas Texas Medical Center in Houston. Yeah. So Houston is basically Houston is now where New York is, and they're yeah. now going through that same experience. Um, the difference is that New York was very locked down when they were in that sort of peak period, whereas Texas is still somewhat open. Um, and so it's going to be interesting how that plays out in sort of a bad, interesting kind of way. Um, Florida had 8,500 new cases today. And that's like they've had, you know, anywhere around 9,000, almost 10,000 cases every day for the last several days. Um, Arizona is another one that's setting new records. Theirs are a lower number. It's around yeah. so 3,800 today. Um, and the other one that's interesting to call it is California, just because of the size of yeah. it. But they've been seeing a rise too. Um, yeah, yeah. In in different, you know, California is definitely a county by county 
Well, yeah, and and it's interesting because like the counties where you're seeing a lot of that increase are areas where there are more Republican leaning, right wing leaning, mask resistant type people. Yeah, um, I, I would say, look, and we shouldn't over politicize that, right? Because I think there are different groups of people who don't want to wear masks. It it is sort of the you know no step on snack which is the dumbed down version of don't tread on me. Yes. Right. So no step on snack group. Fine. But it's also like the anti-vaxxer group, yeah. which you do get a lot of in California. Like, oh, masks don't work. You know, well, you know, I think and that I, there is that that group uh, as well. I, I to be completely fair on this. When if you go back to March and April, my my take on masks was we don't really know yet on how effective they are. We know, we know that um, masks can actually be a, a source of infection because, you know, as people cough in the mask, they touch the mask, they spread it around. And so, um, and so I was resistant to making it a big deal at that point because we weren't sure what the science was saying. But since then, we've gotten the science on it. And we've seen here is a place where, you know, like they did a study in Germany where they said, here is a place where um, people wore masks, and here's a place where people didn't wear masks. And where they did wear masks, we saw a decline. Not counting for the type of mask, their, how good they are about, you know, discipline about taking it on, taking it off. It's just mask policy is there, cases go down. And you see that in, in multiple studies at this point. And so at this point, I'm very much like, yes, we should wear masks. Now, you know, if you're out and there's lots of space around you and it's outside, fine, you don't need to wear masks. But if you're inside at this point, if you're indoors, if you're any sort of crowd, if you're going to be outside but you can't stay separated, you have to wear masks. And and we've seen the evidence that it works. Yeah. Um, and so now it's like a question of just like how do we get people to understand that? You know, get, get past this this politicization of it, um, which I admit I was just getting into, but. Um, you know, well, it's it's yeah. hard, right? I mean, because you look at the states that are, you know, you look at Illinois and New York and, you know, we were hit hardest up front and, you know, then were attacked in our, you know, in Michigan as well. Governors were attacked for lockdown orders and, you know, trying to do what they thought was yeah. keeping people safe. You know, and there's liberate this and, you know, storm the capital that. And then now the states who weren't as bad at the beginning and, and sort of in a pat you on the back moment, you had called out very early. Like, I think one of the things we're seeing here is weather. You know, it was people in colder states were hit harder first. There you go. Um, because we were inside, but now it's pretty pleasant outside. So we can go outside and in hotter states. They're like, no, it's hot out. It is, I'm going to go inside. And that's yeah. timed with, um, that's timed with, you know, sort of relaxation of all restrictions. So, yeah. you know, it, it's easy for us, you know, who felt defensive for, you know, our leaders or, you know, people we believed in, or even the things we were doing ourselves, you know, to be able to say like, ah, yeah, I see. It's because you guys were political idiots with it. You made it a political thing by attacking us, and now this is what you get. Um, when instead we should just be looking at it with compassion and saying, like, eh, you know, 
the majority of people, according to polls, kind of back up masks, and the majority of people are still, you know, in favor yeah. of you know, remediation efforts and I mean, you know those kinds of things. I think a lot of this comes down to there's been such a failure in public health communication around this. And it goes, I mean, it's at all levels. I mean, but I think because it's failure at the national level, it's all cascaded down from there. I mean, imagine if you will, a an ad campaign where it's Trump and Obama and Bush and Clinton all wearing masks, all saying you need to wear masks. Like that level of like, we're all in this together. Let's show that this is important to us. And, um, and 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 education campaigns around that and i think part of the problem right now we have is that people have gotten mixed information they're getting information from other sources and the fragmentation of our media has made it such that yeah um everybody is their own epidemiologist <laughs> you know and like and whether you have a good sense of like critical thinking and uh whether you understand the science around it everybody thinks they have you know everybody has their own opinion and has come to their own conclusions. And some of those conclusions better align with the overall science, but you know, ultimately we're making our own choices. And the nature of the beast here is that it's all about a lot of individual choices. Because we can say at the national level, at the state level, at the city level, you know, stay away from, you know, social distance, wear a mask. But then if you have a dozen family and friends over for a barbecue and you're all inside and you're not wearing masks now suddenly this spreads some more and we've seen in this the stats that a lot of the things that are spreading it are weddings and birthday parties and things like that where it's like people don't seem to process that all of my friends one of them might have COVID and if I don't take precautions and they don't take precautions and we're all in the same space yeah um, and I and Speaking of somewhat personally, because of, you know, a friend of a friend of ours, you know, did get COVID. And so it's like how that, you know, that basically the, you know, that we are careful is why that's not a risk to us at this point. Um, we still got tested just to be sure, but, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to get a little complacent and think, well, my friend's doing the right thing. It'll be fine. And then it turns out that whether they were doing the right thing or not, that, you know, just happenstance that you know they were at a grocery store and you know the universe aligned in such a way that now they have it um so two questions yeah. for you question yeah. one what's your favorite stat to keep be keeping track on track of here uh I think we've got a lot of them we've got total number of confirmed cases we've got new cases today we've got deaths which is morbid we've got the r naught and we've got positivity rate of the tests I think, Which one you got? I think probably positivity rate is probably the best one. R not I like. Like I think that's really the number we need to care about because it's like how how fast is this spreading? But I think it's a little hard to interpret because um, <clears throat> like one person spreads it to twenty people, another person spreads it to nobody. Like and it depends on situations and things like that. Yeah, but I, I don't know how they're calculating the R not. But, right, but I like, think posit- I, don't, I don't need my brain can't wrap itself. Yeah, no, no, really that. yeah, that's that's epidemiology PhD level twelve oh seven. So whatever, um, but positivity rate because it gets at two things. One, it gets at are you testing, and two, mm-hmm. are they positive? And so if you're doing lots of testing and a few people are testing positive, that suggests you're catching more of the borderline cases. 
Because what was happening early on in all of this was you had very limited access to testing in the first place. And then, you know, so there were a bunch of people who had it, but were just staying home because getting tested was nearly impossible anyhow. And now, depending on where you are, you have a good bit of testing. You can, I like right now, I could book an appointment tomorrow, go get a test, even though and have no symptoms whatsoever, just because I just feel like having my, you know, nasal cavities probed for no particular reason. And I can do that, you know. Um, and one of my concerns is like, as those rates of infection are climbing in places like Arizona and Florida, that their testing is becoming more onerous. Um, I saw a story somebody shared, and you know, I don't know how valid it is, but seemed legit, where somebody was in Arizona and was about to travel back home to Maine uh, to visit their family. And so they had been in Arizona. And in Arizona, they said they'd been very careful. But the but Maine was saying that you were going to have to quarantine unless you had a pot, you know, a test that said you were clear. So they went and got tested. It took them several hours of waiting in lines to, and they had to go to like a different location to finally get tested. And it took them several days in order to get the results. Um, and it turned out one of them was positive. Now, my guess from the scenario was that they probably, it was a, maybe a false positive because that does happen even if it's relatively rare to false negatives. But the trouble they had to go through to get tested, how many people are just gonna be like, screw it, if I've got it, I've got it, and aren't gonna yeah. bother getting tested. So how did you get yours? Uh, we booked an appointment. We, uh, same day, went. we drove over to the place. It was a drive-up location. Um, you got out of your car. You went to the, the place to check in. You said, uh, here for a test. They kept you at a safe distance from them. You gave them your name. You'd already filled out all the information online about your insurance and all that. And they're like, okay. Then they'd come out to the car, and then they would uh, take a, a, a Q-tip about yeah. this big, and then would shove six, it six feet, six all the long. way into your sinuses, <laughs> and uh, and it felt very uncomfortable. I will, I, you know, here's the thing. I played it up the fact that it's a painful experience, but it's it's not that terrible. Like it's two seconds of wow, this is really sucky, and I was laughing at how bad it was, um, and it was fun. And so we both tested negative, and and everything's been fine. Um, but you know, it's. It, it was, but it was super easy to do it. It was go to a website, book an appointment, go. Nice. Didn't have to screw around with it at all. And so I feel like overall, like Illinois handled this really well that way is that, you know, we've yeah. gotten a lot of testing capacity on board. Um, you know, we've made it easy to get to it. You don't have to have a doctor's note or any of that sort of stuff at this point. Okay. Yeah. And I know, you know, so as we look at, as we sort of contrast, you know, compare and contrast, you know, the state's Florida, Arizona, Texas, especially, you know, they're actually closing some testing centers thanks to the federal government, right? Because the federal yeah, government, and uh, I'd seen some some suggestion of like, okay, well, they've got other testing facilities online, and so maybe that doesn't make sense anymore. But like, the overall lack of interest in doing testing from from the yeah. federal level is pretty obvious at this point. It, it, it's pretty bad, um, and they're you know they're starting to figure out those some of the same policies that we had before. So, you know masks are supposedly required in you know depending on the state it could be county by county you know that sort of thing um they are you know now walking back some of the opening steps so i liked i think it was florida said that um or maybe it's arizona that were like bars are 
are open, but you can't serve alcohol or something like that. And you're like, really? I think that, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that a thing? Is that a thing that's going to be enforced? Yeah, I think that was um, Florida that did that. Which, like, yeah, like, I, I don't, don't know how that worked. Well, you know, and so much of this comes down to, like, here are the rules. And, tr- and, you, and to some extent, it's trusting to the people to follow the rules because there's no good way to enforce. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, so you're going to say they have to keep social distancing. And then we keep hearing stories of crowded bars. Like, well, how could there be a crowded bar? Because social distancing, right? Uh, and part of the problem is that the fin- these you know restaurants and bars have been closed for several months. So what is their financial incentive to follow the rules when they need that revenue big time yeah. right now? Yeah. And we um, talked about that with like the casinos yeah. in Arizona where they're just like, yeah, no, don't don't enforce let them break the rules the fines are so low yeah that there's no financial reason and and may and really when it comes down to it that is the difference it is people when people are informed do they make a decision for the greater good or for a financial yeah and i'm not i'm honestly not even saying that there is a right answer there because i i I think that yeah. It's it's easy to rationalize. It's easy to yeah. say, well, you know, ninety five percent of the people who get COVID are perfectly fine, and most people have mild symptoms. And yeah, that's true, you know. But then there's that that five percent who have very severe symptoms, have months of recovery, have maybe permanent damage, and then of course we get to dying as a as a possible. And so it's easy, and I've seen this logic expressed by people that you know well most people are going to be fine and so we need to stop fretting about you know that that small risk and take our chances because you know we can't afford to keep the economy shut and the irony of it is that attitude is what is dragging all of this out where if you look at what's going on in europe where they lock down and they lock down more completely and people in the rules were more tightly enforced etc etc um that they're now back to actually being able to be somewhat open compared to right. here. Not that we'd be able to see that because Americans are banned from- Just because we're banned from traveling there because we're right. a hot It's like spot. us and India and Brazil. Yeah. I mean, that's now, just- Now, part of that was probably just, just a little bit of like, you know, slap back at us for us cutting them a off little bit, earlier. But, but, but no. we kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't, if I was Europe, I would think that's a perfectly reasonable plan. Yeah, me too. I, ah, man, I love this winning. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm almost tired of it. So here we are, you know, we, we're kind of, we're seeing what's happening in states that have opened up. And now Illinois, we're into phase four. Our positivity rate is like 2.7-ish percent. Yeah, and it's, going it's down. slowly declining. So that's good. We're seeing a good amount of testing. Um, and we're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of negative test results, fortunately. So um, that's all good. Um, our cases came down, yeah. um, but we're still seeing, you know, 600, 800 day- cases a day. Uh, and so, like, we're not done with this yet. And I think we got to just keep that in mind. Um, one of the things that's been bothering me of late is the way that the rules are written, the way things are described to people, I think are not yeah. very clear. Oh, yeah. So like, for example, we say, you know, in phase three, it was you can have 10 unrelated people in a group. And in phase four, it's 50 unrelated people. But the thing that's not really said very clearly is that means social distancing still applies. That means wearing masks still applies. 
Right. It's not like, oh, I can have 50 people over my house and we can have a house party. No, 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 you can't do that. And I feel like that's not been very well communicated. And when we talk about restaurants opening, that the six foot distance, so they're supposed to have six feet of distance between yeah. tables. That is a totally- Totally unclear. It, yeah, because we're trying to keep tables from infecting each other. So we got to make sure those physical tables are six feet apart. Uh, irrespective of the fact that depending on how you're sitting, you might be a lot closer than six feet to somebody. Right. Well, maybe you're having dinner with flat Sammy or whoever, and he's two-dimensional, really shallow. Right. Don't, I, I, yeah, I've looked at some of those too, and I actually sent a text to the owners of, uh, of Twisted Hippo, just asking like, so how are you interpreting these? And the response I got back was kind of like, come on. I mean, nobody knows. Um, yeah, and I'm actually I, being more conservative, but yeah, uh, and um, <clears throat> I'm gonna just a shout out to uh, Spockanopoly. Uh, they're an excellent pizza place. They do like a very good like um, uh, Neapolitan style pizza, like very like authentic Italian. Um, and they've been very clear about like they've got everything spaced out. They're only doing service outside at this point, um, and the spacing between the tables is quite large. Um, and so they're doing it, I think pretty correctly whereas i've seen other restaurants where it's yeah technically it's six feet but then you sit a couple of people and are now like two feet from each other and yeah mm-hmm. and you can't wear a mask while you're eating yes uh, as it turns out that uh yes there's I, some I mean, physics involved in there that makes it a little challenging uh, so yeah i i don't know about you and, and like i know we have to do it you know i, I know we have to, to open things up i i know i'm not comfortable like there's Maybe I could have a beer at a table outside that's six feet away from other people. Yes. I don't think I would be willing to have dinner there. Well, here's the and thing. I'm like, certainly not going inside. We, You and I are not time. going to be sitting at a table doing a podcast like we've done anytime in the near future that I can see. I, I, and as much as I feel like you're following the rules yeah. and I'm following the rules, like, no. no. Um, we might do a thing where we get together, like, on at you know me in your backyard you on my deck or whatever spaced a good bit apart we can do that um and we might do that at some point in the future but like as much as i would love to get together with friends in a you know more closed environment like it's just not not okay right now yeah where somebody else is doing the work and <laughs> right and this is the other thing that i'm 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 really thinking about so even when it can kind of open back up like this takeout thing <laughs> from places I had never considered to be takeout is a whole new world for me. Yeah. I mean, yesterday it was old Irving brewery. Excellent Nashville hot chicken sandwich by the by. Yeah. Um, you know, like this is, uh, it'll probably continue to be a thing, even if we have a, yeah, there's been a, a lot of sort of the higher end restaurants have been doing picnic baskets basically where it's like you get like a selection of things. Um, so like um, uh, Band of Bohemia was doing a picnic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw uh, a restaurant that uh, is actually a restaurant that we got engaged at, uh, Smith, which is a very nice restaurant. They're also doing picnic baskets. Um, so like, it's like, we've seen that. We've uh, apparently to go cocktails are now a thing. Uh, one of my favorite bars in Chicago uh, just opened back up and are now doing to go bottled cocktails. So, you know, you get a bottle and it's got like basically three cocktails worth of 
excuse me, all the booze, all the ingredients already mixed nice. together. Um, whereas before, like yeah, before they had, um, you get a bottle of bourbon and you get like things with it and instructions. And whereas this can actually be a prefabricated cocktail and they can- Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's, um, I, I need to do, do that. Do you think things are gonna tick back up here now? I think so. Um, I think that, uh, so there was an interesting study uh, that, and I don't, it's study may be a slightly more formal word than this world deserves, but Chase went and looked at all the credit card information they have. And they compared that oh, against know. the stats from, uh, from John Hopkins about COVID. And they correlated a rise in COVID cases to a rise in credit cards charged with, uh, at a restaurant as in person. Now, granted, that sort of is maybe just a, a proxy for the rules are more open and people are being less careful, and thus that's the issue, rather than it specifically being people in restaurants. Yeah, I mean, but it certainly is directly related to number of people in a closed space or in a space that, you know, number of strangers together. Yeah, number of strangers right? together. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, that's the thing. Yeah. And like, I feel like the, the science we have suggests that if you're spaced out and you're outside, you're pretty, pretty much okay. Um, I mean, there's obviously not zero risk, but the risk is pretty reduced. If you're in an indoor space, then it's a matter of like, okay, well, that's a level of more risk. And then for every, you know, inch closer you are to other people, yeah. it's going up and up and up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess now, you know, speaking about to where the Lakeshore path is open. Yes. Which I have, which I have tested great. it out. Um, so I, I rode my bike over there. Um, it's busy, but it's not, I haven't been, it hasn't felt too crowded. Um, and I, you know, when it felt like it was getting a little bit too crowded, I sort of changed direction and, and went up the other direction. But when did you go? Were you there weekday weekend? Um, I did a weekday um, and I was there uh, actually this afternoon. All right. And so today it was like I started heading south on the path from where I am and it started getting a bit busier. And I'm like, and I got down to about, you know, Belmont, Irving Parkish, yeah. or, you know, no, Belmont. Yeah, it was around Belmont Harbor where I started to turn back around. I'm like, ah, yeah. it's a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. I was there last Tuesday. So the day after they opened at like seven in the morning. That was yeah. like, that's when I thought I was going to be. That's that's about when I wanted to be there, and it was still pretty busy. A lot of people on bikes, uh, a lot of runners. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to see the lake. It was like, oh yeah, lake. I missed. I you. remember this. I missed yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. And we can only exercise out there right now, right? No picnics, no barbecues, nothing yep. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's like it, it all feels like it's being done pretty reasonably. I mean, I would say most people aren't wearing masks, but then again people are moving so that's not really as much of an issue people are spaced out so it's not as much of an issue yeah um you know if you're riding a bike you don't i mean you're moving by so fast nobody's going to get your your funk even if they even if you have it so um yeah so overall i feel like it's it's it seems to be good spot and they've shut down the parts of the lakeshore path that are prone to a lot of congestion and just too narrow for for large groups mm. of people yeah, I haven't been south. I obviously haven't been that far south, so I'm assuming you're. Yeah, if about you the go, like at, the Ohio and, Street curve area and down by Navy Pier, and then 
under Illinois where it's like, yeah, that far apart and yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. Of thing. So basically from like you get, you can go down to North Avenue beach and then South from there down to basically the pier. That's all blocked off. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Chicago geography, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, just essentially all of the touristy areas are closed. Right. Right, and that's Which really we don't nice. have tourists anymore because that's not a thing. So exactly, exactly. Although you could fly many more tourists on American Reunited now because they're getting rid of social distancing rules, so that's great. Don't know how I feel about that. Probably, actually, I know how I feel about that. I'm not getting on a plane. Well, see, that's uh, the was, thing that's. I think it's a terrible idea by on their part because, like, I mean, I'm sure they want to have more passengers, but like, all that says to me is if I have to fly for some reason, I'm not flying in United America. No, it's, they want to have fewer or... flights. That's the, that's, it's not I'm more sure. passenger. It's, it's fewer flights. So yeah, less gas. I mean, granted gas yeah. is dirt cheap right now, but still. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's, well, it costs... it's on the futures market. They're still paying for, this is gas. They oh, that's right. Days. This is gas they bought right. five years ago. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. They, oh, they missed the, the Corona hedge. Um, one other thing, last thing about, about coronavirus in Florida, um, Universal Studios was opening back up. I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure if they reclosed now. But the only thing I thought about that, and Universal Studios, if you haven't been there, like I, I love it. I dig it. It's got the Harry Potter world there. Yeah. Um, which I have a lot of fun. You can get you can get a wand. Um, and all I could think of was them having an ad that says like, you know, the new attraction is like Expecto Coronum. Because that was all I could imagine. It's like everybody <laughs> so, going around. Here's the question: Is uh, how long does COVID live on a wand? Like you know, like what's oh. the sanitation practices for that? I don't know. You could probably use Scurgio to clean a wand. Oh, I think Scurgio man. actually disinfects as well. We'd have to. You're, you're, I'd have to look that one up. You clearly you know, know more Harry book Potter of spells. than I do. I think that's like level four. Yeah. Actually, never heard of it. How about beer? So you said, yes. how's that a huge bottle of beer you were drinking? It is good. Uh, I am, let's see, it's, it's a very dark bottle, so I can't tell how much, but I don't have much left. Uh, and it's That's quite good. delicious. It does continue to be good. I, like I'm not a, like I like sours as long as they're not like knock you over the head sour. And this is a really mm -hmm. nice balance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, like I said, I'm trying to find some. So even the Shandy was a little sour. It was kind of nice, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of looking at the store, trying to find different things. Uh, but I'm also kind of in the, you know, again, to get away from the hops a little bit, uh, I've got the Ravinia food truck Pilsner. So okay, uh, I was having a conversation with a brewer and he said like, hey man, get a Pilsner or three, try those out. I feel uh, like that's, yeah, and that's right up your alley. Cause it's like, it's a lager, but it's a little hoppier. So how, how is that, how's that hitting you? That's also very nice. That's also very nice. It's weird coming off the sweet beer uh, onto this. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit jarring yeah. there. Yeah, that is pretty good. Um, I, I've been trying to find, so I'm, you know, I'm digging around, like looking for different milder sours, trying to find good reviews of them. Um, and the problem I'm finding is that people who really like sours really like sours. Yeah. And so like, like it's almost like I have to look at sours on things like Untapped or um, Beer Advocate, and find the ones that have bad ratings, 
because people say like and like it was not clean, sour and refreshing enough. and good <laughs> but like i was really looking for my mouth to kind of invert and it didn't do that right like yeah like I'm really more of a fan of Atomic Warheads, so can I get one of those in a glass? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so uh, that's been my kind of, you know, everybody's got to have a hobby now. You know, I'm like, I got to right? find, I got to find a sour, I think probably because it got so hot so very quickly. And I'm yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely like a good time of year for like sours are good, lagers, um, uh, a good vice beer. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of my go-to's right now. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of like you know in the darker months going to a big bold you know imperial stout, but right, it's so a little little thick to drink on the deck on a on a warm yeah. day. Just oh, just makes you sweat. Just processing it makes you sweat right. more. Right. Yeah. I got the uh, two brothers has their kind of they always have a mixer pack in okay in Illinois Costco's and in the past years, it's been like two beers. I really like one beer. I kind of like, and like one beer I'm never going to drink ever. And so I always stayed away from it, but now they've got one that's got pinball, which is, which is a really nice, uh, pale ale, um, sidekick, which is their session ale. Love it. Uh, wizard staff IPA. Oh. Excellent. And their, their lager, which is, just a really simple, clean, little sweet lager. I, I like I. That's a great pack. Um, I we've just been kind of cycling through them, especially Wizard Staff. Of course, I like the name. Um, back to the Wizards. Second Wizard yes. reference here. Yes, there you go. Uh, but the lager is pretty good, pretty clean, and none of them are too you know overly hoppy. So, you know, kind of those lighter beers and an occasional gin and tonic on the deck. I think that's. I think that's what the. Yeah, Summer. we've been exploring tequila oh. a little bit, um, mm. which I made, uh, which I only mentioned just because I came up with a cocktail, a tequila version of a Manhattan, which sounds weird, um, but tequila, vermouth, and uh, I had some Aztec chocolate bitters, so it was like as it was like chocolate with like a little bit of like spice to it, okay. and it actually okay. worked really really well. So, Just put a cherry in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's a Manhattan without cherry? Come on. What's a Manhattan with tequila? So, yeah. right. Oh, balance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like we're trying to experiment with like better tequilas rather than just like things that go into margaritas. Uh, That's cool. So that is cool. So we talk beer. We yeah. even talk tequila and gin. Uh, do we want to talk circuses? Election Circus 2020. I do, I, and I, and you know, we came up with the Circus 2020 moniker back when there were, if memory serves, 750 people running for the Democratic nomination. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, you forgot Seth Moulton, so 751. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I always forget Seth, even though he emails me every day. We're, we're now down to one. Yes. We're down to one. Nominally, Maybe yes. I mean, there's still the whole, there's going to be the convention. Sure, 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 sure. But Biden has enough delegates now. Right. It shouldn't be. To, to win the nomination. Um, so uh, I feel like at this point, we should think about rebranding Circus 2020 into something more appropriate, like, you know, impending doom November 
or you know okay the other thing build, build i'm terrible about apocalypse theme because why yeah. not <laughs> because it's not funny anymore it was funny when it was like oh like I, I i'm getting emails from you know 60 different people saying give me a dollar i just need a dollar give me i need dollars to get on the stage i need stage dollars yes. but now you know i mean that was funny that was humorous now we're not into a humorous phase we yes. are in a everybody needs to get serious <laughs> like, oh. Well, this is actually life and death now. Okay. Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. It's gone from, oh, this is kind of amusing yes. to existential fear. So, and, and as Donald Trump said, we don't want a low IQ president. So let's get on that, shall we? Yeah. So let's just think about renaming Circus 2020. Maybe the next cast we can rebrand, relaunch our election coverage to... Vo vote or die 2020. <laughs> I, uh... I mean... I mean, there it is. I mean, it's it's got to be, it's got to be like that. Or get your ass out and call some people. Maybe we'll do the. I had the World War Three status report thing going for a while, so I feel like we're kind of like maybe that 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 vibe. It is, yeah, that vibe. So, so that aside, thank you for humoring me on that. Yes. Um, I, you know, I'm a big poll guy, uh, of Polish descent, and also I like. <laughs> I like polls. Because uh, you're in Chicago, and that's just how we roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Um, so I've been looking. I pay attention to the polls way too much. Way, way too much. Even though, you know, I feel like they burned me a little in 2016. I still understood them. I understood right. that they didn't. But, you know, like, I've been paying attention to a lot right now. And they're crazy right now. They're insane they're insane in one would say a good way, but I can't believe the numbers. Yeah. I just can't believe them. Like, what do they, what do they look like right now? So uh, Biden is currently head of Trump by 9.3 points. So for perspective, at this time in 2016, Clinton was up by 6.9. So solid two and a half percent yes uh improvement uh over that but i think one of the things that's interesting about when i was looking at those polls from the past those polls were uh with clinton it was 42.9 to 36 so neither yeah. of them was even over the 50 percent mark and you had a lot of undecideds that were still there i mean i mean like the fact that yeah she was up by almost seven points at 43 percent yes Oof. yeah Oof. um you know, and you look at Biden now, he's he's over 50%, which is a, a good sign. I mean, it still makes me nervous that there's anybody out there who's like, like I saw one that was like, uh, it was uh, Biden had 50, Trump had 36, and 14% were undecided. And I'm like, what What are you undecided about? Like, what, why is it? Now, granted, if those, you know, 14% all go vote for a libertarian, I'm perfectly fine with it. As long as they don't vote for Trump, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, one interesting thing is that I think that Hillary Clinton peaked at like 47%. Yeah. So I don't think that she ever got above 50%. Which no, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, because I think they were both below 50% yeah. for most. And of we can the talk campaign. about we can talk about why that is, and I think that there were terrible <laughs> reasons why she was never. Well, yeah, yeah. but. <laughs> But I think the fact of the matter is, you know, Biden is already polling better than just 
straight up polling better than Hillary ever did, yeah. which is, which is a good which sign. makes me you look fucking nervous. <laughs> it does <laughs> because it does because I feel like one of the reasons why Clinton lost in the end was too many people were like, eh, I don't really like her. And so I don't need to do the work. I don't need to show up to vote. I can write in somebody else's name. And that was just enough to get Trump elected. And what yeah. makes me nervous is people are going to be like, Biden's got it. No problem. You know, everybody hates Trump. Who would vote for Trump? It'll turn out, well, just enough people voted for Trump. Just enough 41,000 people last time, right? That was all it took. <laughs> and, you know, even if you look at the swing states, the swing state polling looks pretty good for Biden. You know, 10 and a half points up in Michigan, eight in Pennsylvania, almost 10 points in Wisconsin, five points up in Arizona. Like, and even states like Texas are reasonably close, like margin of error close. Like, again, all of that is kind of terrifying. And this is before uh, we have a bunch of people who are very religious about not wearing masks in states that have a lot of COVID who are Trump supporters and whatever happens to them in the meantime, just putting that out there. Ouch. Uh, don't yeah. Worry. But to me, you know, there are, there are a couple trends that I really do like. Um, one was the Biden polling above 50%. Two is that older white voters uh, are, are trending a little more towards Biden, yeah. um, which is a, a demographic that... Uh, Democrats have not to... won that demographic in a very yeah. long time. Yeah, Trump needs to win that demographic to have a chance of winning. Yeah, and let's right keep up. in mind, like, it's we're talking about a percent in a swing state is the end of Trump compared yeah. to 2016. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, you yeah. know, and obviously I think, you know, like I said, there's always a risk of people being like, he's fine and not showing up and voting. Also, we need to keep in mind that there's always the risk of, uh, you know, vote suppression especially when you factor COVID in and you know number of polling places that are open and, and all of that so there's a lot of things that can screw this up uh and so we have to be we have to be vigilant yeah and i think that one of the things that we should talk about from now until the election is how do people get involved uh what can they do to you know not rest on laurels not yeah uh, you know. and it's a little different than our usual advice of like go knock on doors no no don't go knock on doors don't no, no, stop what are you doing stop spreading covid um so that's one of the that's gonna think a thing that's gonna be an interesting challenge in this election is phone banking is not necessarily the best way to contact people but being in person is not necessarily the best way to contact people right now yeah. so it's gonna be a little different game yeah but then I, I again, Biden say, won without much of that, so who knows? Yeah, well, it, that's also true. Um, and I do think Biden's strategy continues to be, I'm going to sit back, wear a mask, kind of show up occasionally, and let Donald Trump just be Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, he's um, going to have to have, at, at some point, he has to make a showing to say, clearly I'm presidential, you know, around the convention or whatever, get out there and, in, in some more public form than he has you know he can't just like stream something that's very well edited from his basement or whatever right right uh the the one trend that i do want to mention that i think is is important on the negative side and something where we can all think about how to maybe influence is that voter registration is way way down hmm. so a uh, really interesting article on 538 about this um i just sort of encourage everybody to go out and look at it. Um, but it 
we need to we need to figure out how to register people to vote right now. Um, yeah, and that's you know we've got months to do it. We've got some months to do it, but we've got to figure that out. So in a big brain time, right? Figure out a way we can register people safely. Register people, and then also um, where you can do it, uh, getting people set up for vote by mail. Yes, um, which I have signed up for that in Illinois. Um, so yeah, I encourage everybody, easy. like it, it's and and in spite of what Trump has said about uh, the security of that, it's actually a very secure way to do it because all of those ballots are all going into a central facility where there are people who are monitoring it. It's actually a lot easier to keep that track of that versus a bunch of different polling places all over the place. Um, the only downside is you don't get that that real time, you know, night of the election kind of uh, success or fail uh, check mark. But you know, I'm willing to I'm willing to wait it out to make sure we actually get the votes in. Yeah, and that delay is often a you know a space where misinformation comes in. But uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about election security and stuff like that on yep. a different episode because I think that that's another thing to keep people educated about and yep. um, give people good ways to talk about with others um I, I, it is important to note that there were a couple primaries this week yes uh kentucky kentucky is an interesting one yeah it is so it's it's the race to face mitch the turtle mcconnell uh and for about a year amy mcgrath who's a retired ma marine pilot air force marine air force um pilot in the military pilot sure. uh has been you know has been running working her working her butt off uh has raised over 40 million dollars and was clearly the sort of democratic establishment pick uh and after uh the the murder of george floyd and the protests that followed and brianna taylor of course um in you know in st louis like uh, things shifted, right? And yeah. McGrath did not have great messaging. Was not really strong in talking about uh, about racial inequities, about police brutality, etc. Um, and and, and national was. forces on the left came in and started, yeah, talking about Charles Book Booker, who is a state representative, and his district is uh, is close to St. Louis. Uh, it's in the same county, and I can't remember the name of the county off the top of my head, uh, but it's in that county. Um, and as of right now, he is sort of very surprisingly ahead. Um, and I yeah. think he'll. I think he's gonna probably win. It's it's interesting because I I so I was hearing about McGrath over and over and over again. Yeah, uh, I've given money. To, I've given money to McGrath. Well, and so, but she and I knew she had a primary and so that was one that like i didn't donate to her because i'm like well what's her primary like i and i wasn't paying attention to it i'm like uh and i think there was an attempt by her and and the people who are supporting her to just sort of pretend there wasn't a primary get a bunch of money so that she could run against mcconnell because that's who they ultimately like they're like this is our person to run against McConnell. yep yeah, and yeah. not really factoring in um what the public sentiment was around it now what i suspect happened now I think part of it is the public sentiment shifted pretty dramatically because of the George Floyd killing and, and all of that. Too. In a good um, way. In a way, in a that good I way think for is, sure. Is good, yes. Um, you know, but how that plays out long term, hard to say. Um, but I'm I've seen people who are saying, 
you know, oh, well, you know, Kentucky's screwing this up because McGrath had a better chance against McConnell. Like, now, there's no evidence to support that. Um, if you look at the polling, whoever was doing better in the polling in the primary was the one who was doing better against McConnell at any given time, which, you know, obviously is much more recently. Mm. Um, and, and in the end, McConnell probably will win. I mean, as much as I'd love to see that seat flip to a Democrat, because that would be crazy. Um, it is crazy. That's the problem. And so <laughs> just like moderate your expectations. And so like when yeah. if, if Booker loses, if Booker, then we haven't quite confirmed the winner yet, but Booker's pretty. Because there's still a lot of mail-in. This is exactly yeah. what we were talking about with mail-in and absentee yeah. ballot stuff. So. And if Booker ends up being the winner, you're going to see a lot of people saying, Oh, you know, and then and then loses McConnell. There's going to be a lot of people who are saying, "Oh, if only we'd had McGrath and we'd chosen a more centrist candidate, we would have won." I, I, I'm doubtful. I, I think honestly, either one of them is in a bad way, versus McConnell yeah. in Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So it was a big hill to climb, no matter what. Um, exactly. Yeah, but on the other hand, in New York, it's a little clearer, right? Oh yeah. Jamal Bowman, just. I mean, he, he just crushed it. Yeah, so he took on Elliot Engel, who is a three-decade congressman, yeah, head of the, the Foreign Relations Committee. Yeah. It's not so, like, this is muck. very, it models to what AOC did very closely, because it's a very powerful, long-established Democrat, and basically the guy kind of phoned it in, from what I could tell. Um, he wasn't in New York City during the pandemic. He was... You know, for safety reasons, he was somewhere else, and I, I, I get it, but he didn't really play well with his constituents, um, and so he lost. And, well, uh, and he had that sweet hot mic moment, right? Yeah. At the at the protest or you know, uh, around George Floyd, he shows up and he's like, "Hey, I, could you give me some stage time? I'm only here because I've got an election coming up." Well, you just kind of confirmed everything. And I think there's also something that's interesting about some of those districts because that spans, you know, sort of, I think his district spans the Bronx and like Westchester County, right? So yeah. really different kinds of communities there. Um, yeah, but he's gone. I mean, I think yeah. uh, there are still absentee ballots to be counted, but I don't think that that's yeah, a there's, gap. There's no it. indication that that's going to be close no. Um, yeah, and AOC uh, has uh, re-elected herself. Uh, <laughs> she's got, uh, she beat out Caruso Cabrera is a woman's name uh, from CNBC. So a CNBC person decided to run against AOC and like, let's make, let's make the distinction as clear as possible. And that distinction went in AOC's favor. So, yeah. Let's, uh, you know, that right wing that right-wing uh, channel, CNBC. Yeah. there. I, I mean, I can't believe that somebody tried to primary her, to be oh, I, honest. Oh, I absolutely believe somebody tried to primary her because they want they want to change that narrative. If it was just like, oh, she just want, you know, she won on a fluke and that's it, then they can sort of write off of that. Yeah. Now it's going to get a little bit harder in every, you know, in every two years, she's going to have somebody challenging her and maybe there'll be a good challenger at some point. But um, fundamentally, she's been much more responsive to her community yeah. uh, and represent the better. And so therefore, they voted I for mean, her, strangely enough. It is her. 
it is her thing. She will yeah. continue to be responsive. And I, yeah. Um, you know, moving from New York to our own great city of Chicago, I think, you know, stuff is still going on and, and a lot of it's wrapped up in COVID. Um, you know, one thing we didn't like talk everything. About, yeah. Is sort of schools and the state has released some, some school reopening plans. Um, I think the city is still trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do with that. And I do think that that's something to cover once we have some more information. Um, And I'm trying to get some things as well kind of put together on that. Um, uh, The big things on the Chicago side outside of that have been, you know, some things related to uh, the police and defund the police and those sorts of things and oversight of the police some which are new or have taken more urgency because of George Floyd and, and the, the activism uh, that's come out in the last month around that, which let me just say for hopefully not the last time, we need to keep that going, right? That's, that's still very important. Yes, yes. Never forget that. Um, but you know, there have been some things that have kind of been in the mix for a while uh, and have come, come back to the fore. So, one of those is is about police oversight. So there are these two competing uh, bills that are out in you know out there in the in the city council. Um, one is called GAPA. It's a you know there's two acronyms. One's GAPA. One is CPAC. Um, they're worthwhile reading. We're, I don't think we need to go into detail into them here. I you know yeah maybe do a a special episode where I just talk about Kappa versus CPAC. Um, CPAC, other than having a really bad acronym, um, is kind of sponsored by, you know, a smaller but more progressive group of aldermen. GAPA is uh, sponsored by more aldermen, but it's, you know, on one hand, GAPA is, you know, establishes some new ways to oversee the police and public safety but it's mostly influenced or very strongly influenced by the mayor. CPAC has a has an elected group of people um, with yeah, responsibility. It's, it's, it definitely has a more democratic vibe to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, we actually, people were expecting that to come up in the last city council meeting and it didn't. Yeah. So, That'll be interesting to see where that goes from here because it needs to go someplace. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, yeah. And ultimately, it's going to be interesting because we've got the the contract with the the police coming up, um, you know, we've, and and all of this layered in there, and then yeah. we've also got um, the the contract with the with the police in terms of their role in the schools in Chicago. Right. So uh, there's a thirty three million dollar contract between the schools and the city. And if you think about like, how does that work? Why do you need a contract between the two? Remember the schools are kind of funded separately. So yeah, they live just, in like a separate set of books and it's just making the spreadsheets jazz. line up correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of good reason to not have police in the schools um, just because there's a risk of them criminalizing behavior that's sort of, that's very much as the like, you know, young people being stupid because you know, their brains aren't fully developed yet, as it turns out. Right. And so by having police there, we're taking things that would otherwise be, uh, you know, yeah, you might be some punishment for it or whatever, but it would be totally off the books, if you will. Um, whereas with police there, now you're talking arrest records and, and all of what can come with. Right. 
and and I think so. There were some protests here in the last week, you know, and around the city council meeting, like get police out of schools, and it's a really interesting, interesting situation. And I think, sort of dispassionately, I think it says a lot about who Lori is and how she views herself. So, you know, really and truly, like the schools right now have some ability to remove the police officers themselves mm -hmm. because there are local school councils local school councils can vote to remove the sros uh the, the resource officers yeah and those local school councils are elected bodies it is this it is the biggest municipal election in the country is the chicago local school council election now i'll say also for the record, but local school councils are not, by and large, are not all full. Like you can't get people to run for them necessarily. Um, you know, my local high school doesn't have a full local school council. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of people just don't understand like what is their role and, and right. what's and it's, the point of it. Yeah. And it's kind of thankless and, and all of those things. Um, but there's already a mechanism in place for you know, for those folks to be, you know, for the local school council to take, take the, the officers out of the schools. Yeah. And there has been. Um, and the other thing is that they're budgeted differently. So if you take a school, if you take a resource officer out of the school, um, the school doesn't suddenly get $50,000 to do with what they will. Yeah, it's it, that's it's a different line item. Again, school budgeting is weird. Um, and I think Lori looks at this and says like, yeah, you know what? It's probably a good idea, but there's a way they could do it if they want. And the contract's coming up, like, just, just, could we focus on other things? Like, stop, stop, stop. Mm -hmm. Um, where I think more progressive folks would just say like, would look at the same set of circumstances and say like, the contract's coming up, uh, they, they could do it if they want, but they haven't really, but nobody really says they want them. Like, just get rid of them. Just yeah. stop, stop, stop. Yeah, stop. exactly. <laughs> and there's no school right now. So yeah, just, so it's a, yeah. And I've I'll seen some people see talking about, out, but. you know, there, I've seen some movement at the grassroots level to say, okay, well, let's go to these school councils and push back on this that way. Um, so that's definitely something that's going on, but you know, it it would make more sense to do it just say citywide, like we're going to stop doing that. Here's a better way to do it. But yeah, I I just the thing that the thing that gets me is that like there isn't there isn't a more democratic body than the local school council. I mean, you think about hyper local elections. Oh right? yeah. Um, there isn't a more democratic group of people to be able to do this. Like, and um. And I find it interesting that that they're being bypassed, yeah. Right, because by the same token, you could look at people who are on that school council who said, like, actually, yes, we like having a police presence in the school. Now, and it's because, and maybe it's because they have a an officer who is really in tune with the school and is building relationships with with kids in the school. I don't, I don't know, um, but it's not as if it's not as if there's no opportunity for feedback there. And, um, yeah. I, you know, I, again, by and large, I don't think police should be in schools but, at all. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying that there is a, 
Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, a yeah. Situation the, compared to other districts. I mean, each individual officer is going to have pluses or minuses, you know, in terms of how they handle it and what they do. And so, in some cases, it may be perfectly fine. But in aggregate, it's a risk uh, in terms of, like, you know, needlessly criminalizing children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, totally fair. Totally so, fair. Yeah. But and maybe on that note, we should wrap up for the. Let's day. let's wrap up on criminalizing children. Yeah, exactly. I think we started right. by infecting children with COVID at a Trump rally, and we're wrapping up by... Well, they are the future, yeah. so... Yeah. They are the future. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you watched online, or even if you didn't, um, <laughs> maybe you'll still be able to yes, listen to Yes, and maybe I'll actually upload the podcast this time. I forgot to upload it last week. That'll so be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll upload two at the same time, maybe. So. Beautiful. Anyhow, good talking Thanks to you, as always, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody.